Welcome to this week's episode of Eye of the Swarm, your deep dive into everything and anything Yellow Jacket Athletics. I am John Garver, joined by the big sound Matt Johnson and our production engineer, Elliot Sweary. And is he actually a production engineer? I mean, is that is that technically what your title should be? Know, or, like, or should we come up with something something that, that just sounds really cool? I feel cool. like it's like, like sports programming guru because it's like he's like the director of sports he's our production engineer he's also board op extraordinaire i mean there's a especially after what we put him through in the last couple he is weeks, kws radio sports version of duct tape is what basically he is. yeah i mean he just kind of <laughs> we just kind of stick him wherever and then he just kind of fixes whatever mess there is that's kind of how i feel especially this year right I mean, <laughs> at any rate we uh Real games. Real games. We had real games this week. We did. Let's talk about them. Okay. Where do you want to start? <laughs> I don't care. We just have real games to talk about, and it's exciting. <laughs> it's exciting stuff. <laughs> Usually we wouldn't talk about exhibition games in such glowing terms, but we are this year. Right. Yeah. We had three of them last week, and uh, all of them en- are ending up with uh, the home team getting a W. Yeah. The home team won all the games, and uh, all of them were against Northland College. It was like the Northland College Invitational there for a while. Pretty but, much. Yeah. Anyway. That's okay. But we'll start out with men's hockey because they played first. Okay. Um, no, they didn't. Well, they didn't. Women's. But, well, the men played two exhibition games, so we'll go with that. Okay. Women we'll only played one. So. Uh, they played a pair of exhibition games, and you called them both. I did. Well, or, well I, sort I, of I called, called one both. and a half. <laughs> <laughs> sort of called them both. <laughs> like that's, we can dive into that later if we have to. <laughs> this is why we have such glowing things to say about <laughs> Elliot, by the way. Anyway, uh, they defeated Northland in a pair of exhibition games 3 nothing on Wednesday, January 27th. That was the first live game that they've played in 11 months, I think you said. Isn't Pretty it? darn close. 333 yeah. days. Wow. So, yeah, so, so last uh, almost last Wednesday's months. game was brought to you by like the number 10 three. months and two days or something like yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah, but just about, yeah. Anyway, they defeated Northland 3 to nothing in Ashland at the Bay Area Civic Center on January 27th and then followed that up with a 9-3 to win on Friday, January 29th at Westman Arena. That was a little bit more straightforward. Yeah. <laughs> and, we, anyway. and it was in person, so it was a lot easier to do. Yeah, exactly. That was a more straightforward. And the, looking at the monitor. <laughs> more on that in a moment. Yes. In the 3 nothing win, the Jackets got goals from Dylan Johnson at 19-12 of the first period, Pavel Mikazanok at 16-46 of the third period, and no. Levi Cudmore no. at 18-59. That's no. what they gave me. Yeah, no. It was Dylan Johnson. He got the first two. Oh, he did get the first two? Yeah. Okay. Well, wipe that out. Sorry. Yes. I'm going off of what North. Sorry, Pav. So. Yeah, so. <laughs> so I've got the assist on it. I've got the assist. Okay, so it was Johnson from McHazanock at 1646. Correct. And then Levi Cudmore at 1859. Was that right? Yes. Okay, so there you have it. Those are the three goals. Uh, UWS, according to Northland stats, held a 40-22 to 22 edge in shots, and Oscar Spenson had 22 stops and goal for the Jackets. We're not sure if those numbers are right. Yeah, I don't I – don't, I don't know. Um, it, it, it's so hard to tell. Right. You know, yeah. Especially missing – all of the second period and the first half of the third period. Yeah. It's hard for me to say what shots on goal or I, I don't know what power plays were or anything. All I know is the scoring because I actually saw all three goals. Okay. So Okay. You know, well, that you that, that was helpful, but it regardless of what the shots were, that was a one nothing game. You know, Dylan Johnson scored in the final minute of the first period. And that was a one nothing game until under four minutes to play in regulation. Yeah, I mean that goal that second so, goal was at sixteen forty six. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it it you know that's three three fourteen to go. Yeah, when when that one was scored, and then it, the the Cudmore goal wasn't that came just twenty one seconds later. It wasn't quite as late okay. as it is on there. Okay, but was he, it an empty netter or was no, it okay? No, they just they scored twice in twenty one seconds. Okay, in, in so very, that was more like very quick succession, but more like seventeen something. Yeah, for Levi's goal. Yeah, okay, and so it. That game was was closer than people think, and I okay. I came out of that just from the the thirty minutes or so that I was able to broadcast. I was really impressed with Northland's goaltender. I, I, Chris, I Chris Kerr is a freshman who Twitter, came yeah. out of the Alberta Junior Hockey League, and from the the bits and pieces I saw, he played one heck of a game in goal for them. I imagine that's who they are going to see tonight. Okay, as we record this, um, I was really impressed with him. Okay. Yeah, well, Northland's had some good goalies in the past, mm-hmm. so not a surprise there. They've had a, quite a few good uh, puck stoppers back there, but yep. uh, um, that way it was a three nothing game, pretty close, you know, hard fought game between the two teams, right. pretty pretty tight. Uh, not the same as on Friday. Friday was a little bit more of a, a freewheeling game. The Jackets scored nine times, ended up winning at nine to three. Again, that was a four three game. Yeah, in early in the third period. You know, I think it was a minute and a half into the third. Northland scored to make it a one-goal game. That game was closer than, than think, the score yeah. indicates. 
It was 9-3. Jack had scored twice in the first and second before adding five in the third. And to your point, you know, it was a 4-3 game, and then the floodgates opened up and they scored five in short order. They scored four goals in a stretch of, I think, three minutes, 29 seconds, if I remember correctly. Okay. Um, they got a five-minute power play in there and scored twice on that, and that's kind okay. of a blew the doors off the place. Okay. Yeah, that's kind of – Chad Lopez and Connor Hamannick each scored twice, and more to your point, they each scored both of their goals in the third period. So – there you have it. Lopez's goals came in 529 and 803, and Connor Hamannick's goals came in 858 and 1647. So like you said, they scored a bunch of goals in a short space of time in that third period and yeah. kind of broke the game open. Jackets also got goals from Ty Prophet, who opened it up at 1328. He scored the first goal for the Jackets, and it was Charles Martin at 1917 of the first. Pavel McAzenok at 409. I assume that's correct? Yes. He actually got that goal? He did okay, get that goal. Go. It was an absolute rocket. All right, there you go. Well, congratulations to him. I'm finally getting that goal. <laughs> Troy McTavish at 530 of the second, and David Kaplan scored in between the goals or during the, the five-goal stretch in the third period. Lopez and Kamenik, the fifth goal of that period, was scored by Kaplan at 609. UWS held a 63-23 to 23 edge in shots. Nick Althaus and Miles Hector spent time in goal with Althaus playing the first 29-42. He made nine saves before Hector came in and played the final 30 minutes and 18 seconds while making 11 stops. So two exhibition games, and your impressions were that the team looked pretty good? or Yeah, I thought they looked they looked fine. Okay. I, I really liked what I saw out of the power play. Okay. I thought the power play looked really good. I mean, they had four power play goals on, on Friday night. Okay. Um, it, it looks like they're a little more balanced. Okay. You know, it looks like they've, they've got a little more depth. Not surprising uh, considering the conversation we had with Coach. Yeah. Yeah, I, I was – I was pleasantly surprised, but I, you know, I, I thought they got everything they needed to get out of those, those two exhibition games. And, okay. you know, now, I mean, there's, there's no throwaways now. It's, yeah. you have to have every single one of these and it's going to be one heck of a grind over the next four weeks. Yep. Yep. It is. There's a lot of games coming up, especially against Northland. Mm-hmm. And we'll talk more about that in the final segment. But Correct. Boy. Yeah. It's, it's coming hot and heavy now. Mm-hmm. Same thing for women's hockey. They defeated Northland in a 5-1 exhibition game on Tuesday, January 26th. So they were the first team to play an actual competitive contest in 11 months. Yep. UWS getting two goals from Megan Dulong at 15-28 of the second and 4-30 of the third. Two goals also from CeCe Hayes. She scored hers in her two goals in like two minutes. Yeah. 18-03 and 19-59. I think that last one was an empty netter, wasn't it? Was that last one an empty netter? No. It wasn't? Mm-hmm. Okay. Amber Heidenreich scored the Jackets additional goal, 18-47. The Jackets... Held a 54 to 16 edge in shots. Mackenzie Whalen started for the Yellow Jackets and goal. Played the first 30 minutes and 18 seconds, making eight saves before Rose Beeman, the freshman, came in and played the final 29 42 and made seven saves. So, and then they were supposed to have a second game against Northland, and that one got canceled due to guess what? COVID protocols. Yes, there you go. So, they got their exhibition season off to a start with a nice win, and uh, I think they're scheduled to play Northland again too soon. They, they? they're this is their bye week. Okay, because um, on the women's yeah, side, every, every, t- every team has a bye week, so their next game would be a week from today. Okay, where they they'll be at home with Northland. Okay, and speaking of having things postponed, men's basketball had three different games postponed last week. It's been a rough go trying to get them on the court. They haven't seen the court now in almost a year. Right. It's been. I think their last game was February of. February, like late February, February 24th, 25th, maybe. Something like that. that. I did. Yeah. Um, something like that. I was a regular season fan against Benethi Lutheran. That was the last game I did with them, and that was in 2020. Now we're in February 2021. They haven't played since yeah. that game. So it's kind of wild, really. Yeah, the COVID protocols have been keeping them off the court, too. Yeah. The uh, first game that was supposed to be played was their season opener against Northland College on Thursday, last Thursday. And Ashton, that game was postponed, has not been rescheduled as of yet. The second game was supposed to be the conference opener against Martin Luther. That was supposed to be played in New Ulm on the 30th, Saturday. But that game has been rescheduled. That's on February 8th That's now. Monday. Yeah, this coming Monday. And that will be as it was originally scheduled, I think. And I'm not, not that's incorrect. 7 p.m. will be the opening tip on Monday. It was supposed to be at 3 p.m. on Saturday. So, But that game has been rescheduled. Then the third game was the team's home opener. That was supposed to actually be tomorrow as we record this on a Wednesday against Northwestern, defending conference champions are supposed to come up here, and they're supposed to open up their home schedule tomorrow against the Eagles at the Merce, but that's not going to happen. Yeah, and that's – I'm. the UMAC made an announcement last week where they, they adjusted all of the Wednesday games to Thursday. Thursdays, right. So now basketball will be Thursday, Saturday. Hockey right. will be Wednesday, Friday, which from right. a staffing and broadcast standpoint is wonderful. Right. Now we don't have any games stacked Conflicting. on top of each right. other. Yeah, we can go it, live it's going to allow us to do to do more that way. But unfortunate that we, 
in the COVID world, we, you know, this is an adjustment they had right. to make. Yep. And yeah. they have two games technically scheduled for this week, but we'll see if those take place. Mm-hmm. So we'll get to those in the final segment. But it's been a hard run of luck trying to get, get them on the court here. Right. Women's basketball, though, all's clear for them, at least so far. So far, smooth sailing. Yep. 2 0 overall, 1 0 in the UMAC. They won their first two games of 2021 last week, played two games, as I mentioned. Defeated Northland in their season opener at the Mertz on Wednesday, January 27th, 88 to 59. That was a game the Jackets blew open pretty much early in the game, pretty much cruised from there. They led 27 to 21 after one, 48 to 31 at the half, and 70 to 46 after three. So 48 points in the first quarter. First half. Or yeah. first half, yes. Yeah. But 27 in the first quarter. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's crazy. Especially with a team that only has one starter returning. Right. That was really impressive. Yes. I was, Jackets shot well. I was very impressed. Put it that way, and I'll talk more about it in a second. Jackets shot 45.6% for the game, all holding Lumberjills to an even 30% in the contest. The win, by the way, Jackets 18th straight over Northland. They haven't lost Northland in over a decade now. Last time they lost to the Northland Lumberjills way back, February 1st of 2010. So it's been well over a decade since the Yellow Jackets have, or over a decade since the Yellow Jackets have tasted defeat against the Lumberjills. Hmm. You know, it's funny is that game actually made the series 18 apiece, all-time series, that that Northland win. And the Jackets have now railed off 18 in a row, <laughs> and now we're up 36-18 in the all-time series. Ellie Leeson scored a career-high 22 points. She's the lone returning starter from last year's team. Nine out of 17 from the field, and she was three for four from the stripe. She had six rebounds. Kaya Davies, who missed most of last year with a lower body injury, is back and looked really good. 19 points, 9 for 14 shooting and 7 rebounds. She played very, very well. And Kaylin Christian, who takes over a point guard, 16 points, 5 for 14 from the field, 5 for 5 from the stripe, and she had 7 rebounds. She takes over, of course, as the starter instead of the departed senior, Emily Carpenter, who spent the last two years as the Yellow Jackets starter. Kaylin Christian, who came off the bench most of last year and at the point, now she's the Ball handler for the L Jackets, and she had a very, very strong opening game. Three players in double figures for the Jackets. And then they followed up with another 29-point win on Saturday in their conference, quote-unquote conference opener, defeating Martin Luther 77-48. to That game was played this last Saturday at the Mertz. Jackets led 12-5 to after one, 28-16 at halftime, and 49-25 to after three. A lot of free throws shot in that game. In that fourth quarter, there were 51 points scored between the two sides, but... Jackets in the, in so the in the first it. game, the Yellow Jackets scored, what, 48 points in the first half? Yes. And in the second game, the two teams combined for 41 or 44 yeah. in the first half. Yeah. <laughs> That's quite Welcome a, to college basketball. That's quite a drastic change. Yeah. Welcome to college basketball 2021. Jackets shot better, though, for the game, 47.8% for the game, while the Knights made 27.7%. The biggest problem the Jackets had early in that game, turnovers. They had a bad case of the Butterfingers, but so did Norton Luther. So the two teams were kind of fumbling the ball back and forth. Nobody was making shots because nobody was taking shots. There was a lot of turnovers in that game. I think the Jackets ended up with like 17, 18 for the game, and uh, Martin Luther ended up with like 23, I want to say, turnovers in that game. Both teams cleaned it up a lot after halftime, right. but in the first two quarters it was a lot of passes off the mark, people dribbling off their foot, traveling, that kind of stuff was happening. So, What you would expect, though, I mean just the second game of the year, uh, didn't have a lot of giveaways against Northland. I think they only had like 11 or 12 turnovers. So you're going to have those moments where you turn the ball over. But that's one of those things that, again, if it was a normal season, you'd be playing through that and you'd be cleaning that up a lot more. So we'll see if that that trend continues and they can continue to get better. They're going to need to because it gets tougher from here. Right. Yellow Jackets have never lost Martin Luther, by the way, after that win. Perfect 12-0 since uh, joining the UMAC in 2015. Jackets had three players, again, scoring double figures. Ellie Leestrom, 16 points, 5 out of 13 shooting. She was 6 for 8 from the stripe. Kaylin Christian, most efficient 16-point performance I've seen in a really long time. 16 points, 4 for 5 shooting, 4 for 4 from 3, and 4 for 4 from the stripe. When you score 16 points on 5 shots, you're doing something pretty well. <laughs> That's, <laughs> that, that efficiency rating goes right through the roof. Right. Those numbers. And Kaya Davies had 10 points. She only took 6 shots, but she was 6 for 7 from the stripe as well. And she became more aggressive as the game went on. Uh, Yellow Jackets in both those games, it should be noted as well, played 12 players and had 10 players score. So both games they had 10 players score, double-figure double different score. Yeah, good Real balance. Real good balance. And so that was the week that was for them. They've got a busy week coming up as well. Men's and women's track and field, not to be forgotten here. Just women's Last track and least. field. Yeah. Just women's. Just, win. Just women's. Well, it's, 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 a, it's a header. It's, yeah. Yeah, it's a header. It's a, it's a category. It's a, it's a goofy scheduling model that, yeah. you know, unfortunately – COVID has forced them into this year. The women were in action. The men will be. That's why I put them in there. But the women 
were in action on Saturday as well, January 30th. They hosted what looked like kind of a, a it was sort of a limited meet, I guess I would say. Like they were very, it's a very kind of scattered group of athletes that were there. I think there were what three schools there, maybe? How many? No, I think it was. It's just about every school in the UMAC. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. I didn't. I, it didn't seem like it didn't feel like a track meet. It was kind of weird. Yeah, it's just pr- pretty much every school in the UMAC. Um, okay. You know, but you gotta. You have to be conscious of your capacity limits. Right. Yep. And so it was. It was a surprisingly quiet Saturday at mm-hmm. uh, Lydia Fearing Fieldhouse for the track meet. I was not used to seeing a track meet that was that quiet. I think that was the biggest thing. Well, there's only one gender again, too. Yeah. You know, so that so helps the too. numbers are going to yeah. help that. It's going to look smaller when you only have one team in there for every school instead of two. Right. Yeah. And, you know, some okay results there as well. I mean, there were no team scores. Right. Because there's only two meets for the indoor season this year. Correct. Both of them at Lydia Theory and Field Hulse. We'll talk more about that later on. Yep. Alexa DiCavedo won the 60 meters with a time of 10.55 seconds. She also finished second in the long jump with a distance of 4.11 meters jumped. And fourth in the 200 meters with a time of 28.91. Kasha Hewlett finished second in the weight throw with a distance of 13.29 meters and sixth in the shot put at 9.3 meters. Maddie Johnson, nice name. <laughs> finished second in the 800 meters with a time of 2.45.06 and then placed eighth in the 3,000 meters with a time of 12 minutes, 43 seconds, point two oh. That's uh, That 3,000 meters never looks like it's fun. No. It's not something I want to try anytime soon. No. I'm not built for that. No. And then there were a slew of other finishers as well for the Jackets, but they were all in the, a little bit lower in the standings. So um, good to see them finally get some action, though. I mean, at least they were able to have a meet. Yeah, there's been a lot, you know, some lengthy conversations and frequent conversations. Again, with the same thing with every sport and trying to figure out the best way for them to be able to get back and, and compete. And it, it ends up being splitting genders with women going one weekend, men going the following weekend. We're hosting the women's meets here. St. Scholastica's hosting the men's meets over there. And, you know, it's uh, doing everything we can do to make sure that yeah. they can get in and compete. Yeah, because the women, both their uh, meets are here, and the men's, both their meets are over at St. Scholastica. We'll talk more about that in the last segment, of course, of the podcast. But, yep. yeah, it's goofy. It is. And that's just that's the best it's way to do it. It's a different year. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. a different year. So it's uh, you, you really applaud the administrators at yep. the conference level, uh, the administrators at the institutional level. And the and the coaches, on the the creativity on what they are what they've done to this point, to get athletes back on the court, on the track, on the field, on the rink. Yep, you know, and the flexibility it, it, it hasn't been easy. No, and the willingness to be flexible has yep. been key. Yeah, in all of this, probably beyond key, it's really been paramount. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So it's it's been. It's been a long road, and we, we finally got that opportunity to see some teams in action, and hopefully it just continues to build here as time goes on. We'll take a break here on this uh, latest episode of I the Swarm. We'll come back, and we'll be joined by the head women's basketball coach from UW-Superior, Zach Otto-Fisher, along with one of his players. First time, noteworthy for us, first time that we'll have four people on yeah. the podcast instead It'll of just be like three. A round so table. It's going to be a little, little bit of a roundtable here, and we're going to have a good time with it. We'll have that coming up right after this break. You are listening to I of the Swarm. For over 85 years, the dollars deposited at National Bank of Commerce have been reinvested into the community, sparking bold ideas and igniting big dreams. Our customers have helped transform the region. And if we've come this far already, just imagine what's next. National Bank of Commerce. We make more possible. We're back on this week's episode of Eye of the Swarm, and a, a first for us, Big Sound, a, a coach and a player. So uh, always nice when we can expand from three guests into four, and we've got Zach Otto-Fisher, the head women's basketball coach here at UW-Superior, along with Maddie Sanders, one of his players. And Okay, let's talk. Two games in. Give us some thoughts. We've played two games, and we're, <laughs> and we're into the season. Um, no, it, just, it feels good to just be playing basketball, and I, I know I text the AD... Um, Nick afterwards and said 
just thank you for letting us play. I think seeing seeing the the ladies play without a mask on and seeing their smile on their face it has nothing to do with the mask. Just being able to finally see their face. I mean, Maddie Sanders one that doesn't show a lot of emotion. So when when you see that smile on her, you're like, all right, we've made it. You know, we've got over that that hump of you know COVID and and the what that all entailed for three weeks of practices and, and we got to play. And you know, I don't even look at the games and the box scores. The first two games, we're just happy that we're out there playing. Our girls are are healthy right now and and they're doing doing the right thing and it's a you know brand new team for us and we're just looking at every game as just such a such a blessing I guess and we just want to keep moving forward that way obviously we have things to work on and, and Maddie knows that as well as a player but um, you know we're just looking at it as, as every two days is a new opportunity to take a test for COVID another two days on there and that's just kind of the routine and the cycle how it is right now. I've had the chance to do women's hockey men's hockey over the last week and for them it was the return to normalcy sort of just even though it's abnormal with with no fans and there are certain things that are different but I'm assuming same for you Maddie yeah it feels the same I mean you get still get to do the warm-ups and everything the fans it's unfortunate but being able to like at least play a game is way better than nothing so I've talked to other coaches too I'll ask you the same question I've asked them how did you navigate this because (laughs) your season ended two weeks later everybody's going home all summer long was, well, we might be on campus, we might not be, we might play, we might not be. Yep. In the fall, okay, you can do this, but you can't do that. You can go here, but you can't go there. Okay, now we're going to start up, now we're going to stop. How, how did you navigate that yourself and with your team? To be honest, and I'm sure every coach is saying this, it was, you look back in March, and I remember being at the state tournament and watching the game, and they announced, hey, we're shutting down tomorrow's games. And it's like, all right, this will be over in two weeks, you know? And, and then the girls were excited about, oh, an extended spring break. You know, we get to be home for another week. And then it turned into, all right, you know, another, you know, another two weeks going from it. Um, it, the spring is such a time for coaches where you kind of, you move on from the previous season and, you know, our season just ended and we didn't get that chance to, to meet with the, with just the returners and kind of say goodbye to our senior class. It's like, all right, this is what we have moving forward. So I think that's hard because that's kind of when you start doing the team bonding and getting them ready for summer and saying, this is what we do in the summer. Let's move forward. Um, and then, you know, summer happened. I give credit to the the girls. They stuck together, did workouts, um, you know, together. I don't know if they did it via zoom or how you guys did a big sister groups, but they, you know, that's on them to do their workouts. Obviously D three, you know, we can't do workouts with them. So they did a lot on their own. And then when fall came, it kind of was just listening to the players and saying, what do you all need? Um, as coaches, I think we all bounced ideas off each other. Um, obviously across the bridge, my wife's team was doing something and we're hearing every day, Oh, this is what they're doing at Duluth. How is it different than what we're doing? And so we bounced the ideas off each other a lot. And it ultimately came down to what do the players need and listening to them. Yeah. As a coach, you want to go in get back, go seven days a week or six days a week and, and get them working out. But it's really, okay, what do you need? And a lot of them were right. Let's do categories or let's play a game via zoom and things like that. Whereas a coach, you're like, cool, that'll be fun. But to them, that's what they needed. So kind of navigating that part was figuring out the mental health piece. I think getting them locked in once you get to campus, there's nothing we can do about it. And I think that's been the big mindset is control the controllables. I cannot do anything about COVID. You can't do anything. The ADs can't do anything about it. So give us our resources, what we have, and then just kind of navigate around that saying, all right, we get practices. You know, we know we get 114 days to work with them. What do we want that to look like? There was still that uncertainty of, well, are we going to practice going up to Thanksgiving? What does it look like in January? So you had to kind of save dates because you didn't want to burn through, you know, all 114 right away. But again, listening to players and saying, hey, we need three days a week. Maddie's a player who would go seven days a week, you know, 24 hours a day if we had that opportunity. But we had to, you know, kind of back down and just, you know, restart then in January. So I guess for me, just the navigating part was really just listening to the players. What do they need and how do we need to move forward? And it's still that way. I don't think we have a fourth of our plays in from the previous years. And it's just, we don't need to focus on that right now. It's all right, let's take the condensed season and move forward, you know, in that capacity. The mental health piece really came to the fore, didn't it? Cause yeah. I, when people would ask me, I, I would say we haven't had a game and I'm exhausted. <laughs> it was so mentally draining going through this because of all the zigs and zags in the road and everything. What did, did you as a player feel the same thing? Were you, yeah. like, how exhausting it really was? Yeah, I mean, we didn't, we weren't practicing, but I was still like doing all the workouts and stuff and trying to keep up. And then online school kind of isn't my favorite, so <laughs> it 
it's but if i don't know i managed and figured it out got a routine going so that was good how hard was that adjustment where everything's normal again you go home for your extended spring break and now everything is digital yeah that was i was excited we had like the month spring break and i was like oh yes i'm so excited (laughs) (laughs) you can't go anywhere but how exciting i know and then they started shutting i have a little brother and they started shutting down his schools so then i kind of became his teacher and i was doing my own school so we would do like rollerblade right away in the morning and kind of do school Ah, and then (laughs) and then we do lunch and then we had our own little like thing that we still made sure we both like worked out and like made the school part of priority so yeah i kind of feel like that whole off the court or off the field or off the rink or outside the rink thing became huge this year in a way because i mean we all knew about covid right so and in a normal preseason when you guys are leading up to a season you have about three maybe four weeks where you're trying to run through some things get things ready for the first game and then you just go in and you start playing and then you have you know three four days of practice a week going into the preseason this year you had 11 months basically <laughs> so it's like what are we gonna do you know like normally like i said you go from a month of preseason into now we have 11 months of preseason so i feel like that aspect of it especially of college sports really became the forefront this year and it's interesting to hear the different stories from different coaches but how do you handle that because okay here's the basketball side of it but an almost bigger thing is like we got to get our players together and have them just kind of spend time together doing things beyond basketball because basketball is what it is. Yep. You know, we're going to do the same thing. We're going to try to get as much of our offense and our defensive systems in place. We're going to, you know, try to figure out our rotations and all that kind of stuff. Our starting five, you know, who the five are coming off the bench next, blah, 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 so on and so on. But really, it's almost just as important, if not more important, under these kind of circumstances to make sure the players are spending time together as much as possible, even if it's over Zoom or – or how are you know virtual FaceTiming one on one or whatever it may be, I feel like that's almost as big a thing a component this year as it is you know putting in your systems and getting everybody together to practice together, John. And I don't know if you know Rich or Dan have talked to you about that, but it just seems feels like that's been kind of the thing this year. It's been more of a let's grow together as a group. I mean, forget the basketball side of it. Let's just get together, have some fun, get to know each other, especially for a team like you guys that we're going to be young anyway. You know, with a bunch of new players. I mean, you guys brought in eight, nine, ten players this year. You know, you had six returners from last year total, you know, and one starter. So, I mean, it's a bunch of new faces, and I feel like the off-court stuff was probably just as important for you guys as getting together and actually putting together a practice and, and playing, you know, getting a two-and-a-half-hour practice in. Well, I think Rich actually said it when he was with us last time. When he talked to his guys, the hardest part for them was they couldn't get together. Yeah. So some of the upperclassmen didn't know anything about the newcomers because they weren't allowed to congregate or do things that they would normally do. And I would imagine, you know, much the same for you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, at the beginning, right when we got here, Zach did like a good job of like making sure we got like big sister groups and like we did like go get food together or like go to like places around like Superior and Duluth. So I think that was really good because you got to like, know like the freshmen like I was with three other freshmen so like I got to know them and like actually spend time with them so that was good and everybody I, else did the same oh I cut you out sorry in <laughs> that 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 was the biggest part and and I think you nailed it is not not knowing you know what the fall is going to look like you had to kind of jump out there so you know with with Maddie for example what she just said was okay what can we do safely you know like yesterday or two weeks ago we finally went to a movie together as a team where we rented out the whole movie theater only our you know 20 players and coaches were allowed in the theater and that was like the first normalcy thing we've done and and it just felt good to get out there and do that but at the same time you know in the back of your mind you're like should we be doing this is it okay for us to be doing this yes it's safe you know we're following protocol you're in and out and things like that um but it was hard like like rich said you want to say all right let's all get together a team meal i mean usually in the past we'd have a team meal at my house to kick off the season the girls would have a bonfire you know do stuff together and now you're like all right we don't get that opportunity to do that and i think you know during the during the fall i asked girls and they're like we're just zoomed out like Yes, we could have another Zoom meeting on a Thursday night, but that's the last thing that they wanted to do. Um, you know, and as a coach, same time, you want to instill, you want to be like, let's go, we got to do Zoom meetings, 
but if they're not getting anything out of it, then they're just, you know, not having fun. So it's been nice for us to just get back to a routine where we get to see each other on the court. We can, you know, high five each other. We get to do all those things. Even if there is, you know, having to wear a mask at practice or having to get in and out of the gym, those are small details. The basketball game has not changed. And I keep saying that over and over is the court's the same size, the hoops, there's still two of them. You get that round basketball, like the game itself has not changed and we just need to keep focusing on that. But going back to your point, Matt, what you said, I think this year of all years, I, I really hope that everybody in the in the sports community really just kind of sees how much how much the players and coaches go through where everybody's so different you in you know as a coach you could say hey we want to get them together and we're going to focus on this mental health piece today related about xyz well that might work for you and you but not for you or the other person or like maddie she's really good she has a routine she gets up every day does her workout you know that's good for her but other people they're the night owl so you it's not a one-size-fits-all package and i think right now that's what we're really learning is you know, being able to use the resources. I think our campus has really good resources. The Prude Center has been great. Um, and then just also just relying on each other for the players. I think that's how you start building that team chemistry is when you say, hey, have you talked to so-and-so about this today? Or, hey, you need help with your math assignment? Guess what? Maddie's in that math you know, class last week. So it's really brought them closer together, I think, um, as a whole. And I hope that's for all athletes to rely on each other because that's, all, that's who they have right now. I, well, yeah, I mean, that's about what I would have, would have anticipated, I think, as an answer. And I think it has gone kind of across the board. Even in pro sports, I think it's become more of a thing where there's a lot more attention to things beyond the sport, whereas guys have different personalities, girls have different personalities, whatever it is, you know, whatever their preferences are, whether a morning person, night owl, whatever it is. Yep. You know, I feel like that's been kind of a, a focus for everybody across the board. You know, we talked about this, John, when we, when we came back after that long layoff with our podcast talking about the NHL and the NBA and Major League Baseball and the fact that those guys were also very much like basically put away from, you know, the public as much as possible because they had a season to play and they just didn't have any interaction with anybody else. And so how much of a wear that was on those guys mentally and it's kind of very similar to you guys. I mean, you're very isolated. It's like we who do we see when we go, you know, away from the court? Really nobody. When, the only time where we really see anybody is when we actually go to the court and practice, in you guys' case, or for Rich's guys when they go to the rink to practice. That's the only time we ever see each other. <laughs> so, you know, that mental health aspect, I feel like it's been filtering throughout the, the sports world, and I think that that's probably a, one of the good things that came out of this is just there's more of a focus on that, John, and I don't know if you've noticed that too, but it seems like it's been across the board mm-hmm. at each level of sports, all the way down to high school, all the way up to pro. It's even in youth. Yeah, I mean, I think it's just been one of those things where – you know, there's been a, a look. If you're not feeling okay about something, please just let us know because this is tough. This is abnormal. We're not used to this kind of structure. So, you know, I think that that has been a, a really positive development. Is also there has been a little bit more of a focus on on making sure everybody is okay. Are you okay? Are you okay? You know, beyond playing the the game, you know, in question or or the, the having the practice in question. It's it's also a question of these people are human beings and. You know, yeah, they may be athletes, but they're also people that have genuine feelings and genuine concerns, and it's important that everybody hears those out and 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 is understanding of all that. Do you find you take less for granted now? Uh, to be honest, for me personally, is you know, for the last couple of years, I've really transitioned. I think as a coach, you know, just kind of understood it more, and you realized you can't. You can't do everything you did, you know, coming in as a, as a first year coach, you're going to do it all. You're going to work 120 hours a week. You're going to recruit seven days a week. And then you realize I can't do that. It's going to get wearing. So I think for the last couple of years, you know, our staff has already kind of changed on, on how we wanted to handle, you know, the coaching and things like that. So hundred percent. Yes. I don't take things for granted, but I'm also one of those where if I have no control over it, I'm not going to worry about it. I can't stress over that today. Like it's kind of the running joke. All right, we're good. Got the test. Great. We can have practice today. You know, whereas before two years ago, if this would have hit, oh man, I would have been a hot mess more than the players would have been because I'm type A. I wanted, you know, in line. Um, But I think off the court, 100%. Like, I mean, the the fact that you can't go see family, you know, nephew's playing a basketball tournament. God, I really want to go watch him, but I don't think I should go watch him, you know, things like that. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I would say that I have, you know, you don't want to do that. But also it's that, that balance that, I don't want to say this is a, a hiccup, but there's going to come a time where it's going to move forward. And I think that's going to be the big challenge for everybody is, 
did you did you take it for granted right now, or are you going to move forward in a year and say, all right, we're back to the normal routine? And I, you know, I think hopefully as a player too, you know, Maddie's got a boyfriend, so I'm sure you know they, you know, their their lives have changed a little bit too on, on what that looks like. But um, most definitely, I think everybody. I hope everybody has. If not, then clearly they did not get the big picture <laughs> from COVID, and we need to have a talk about it. <laughs> right. Oh, that's funny. I, I know for me, I, I I've said this before. I will never take for granted watching a live sporting event. Yep. I'll never take for granted calling a game again because I, I missed it that much. And I can't imagine actually being a player in this and just having that r- ripped away and the carrot being dangled out there but just keeps moving and keeps moving and you're never able to get it. Last week you finally got it. So yeah. let's let's transition into actually talking – basketball now so a pair of victories for your team last week let's let's walk through some of that what are some of the things that that came out of those victories that you liked about your squad I like how they they came out we're young as, as everybody says and you know we started three sophomores uh, a junior transferred in and a senior so very young squad but to some people is very surprising and you know talking to people afterwards but I'll be the first to say it I wasn't surprised one bit I mean the three sophomores were heck of good players you know as freshmen <laughs> yeah very good um they were really good players last year I mean Maddie came off the bench Kaylin came off the bench Kaya you know until she had you know a season ending injury last year came off the bench for us um you know Paris she can't play this year you know going through a knee injury but she'll be back next year our sophomore group is very talented so I know a lot of people see that they're like oh sophomore they're young and I'm like that's why we brought them in. That's they have the talent to go through. So very happy with the way they stepped up. Um, you know, Coach Hal and I joked that we had 37 points, I think, at halftime in the first game. And as coaches, you lose, you know, all four, you know, starters from last year. You lose 60 of your, you know, 67 returning points. You wonder if you're going to put up 37 points in a game. So I was very happy by the the production on the offensive end, and not just the points, but I thought we had a lot of good reads and cuts. We missed what Maddie 12, 15 bunnies. Yeah, uh, maybe more. Maybe more. <laughs> so, but to me as a coach, you're like, all right, we had the opportunity. The cut was there. If we can get that next time, we can work on you know finishing. So, very happy with that. Um, the production on the offensive end, and then just also the depth of the team. I think one through you know twelve or thirteen, whoever played that game, everybody produced some way or another. I think we had six, seven girls who had four plus rebounds. That's huge for us. So, um, just for them to come out, and then same thing with Martin Luther. They responded. We talked about it in the practice before that. Hey prove to people it wasn't a fluke that we put up 80 points in that first game. You got to go out there and show it again. And first quarter didn't look like we were going to get it, but then you turn it on. We've always been a third quarter squad and they turned it up and improved that, Hey, we have that ability, you know, the, the talent there again. Have you had to change how you, how you coach with such a young team? I know some coaches will be like, Nope, I'm doing, this is my thing. And they have to adjust to me. Or have you had to adjust because you have so much youth and it's a position you've never been in. Maddie, you answer that maybe. Maddie, you can answer that then. <laughs> um, I maybe he has, but I wouldn't say like for the worse. I I don't know. It's a lot of young, obviously the youth, but they. I think the hardest part right now is our plays, with like just like we need to like absorb it in our head, but we're just not doing that. But it's been pretty good. He's done great. <laughs> we still got, we got two wins and. Hopefully we can get two more this week. So, yeah. How about you as a player? One of the six? Is that what we said? Six, yeah, six returners. Six returners. Well, you know, that's, that's not a big number. No. So I'm assuming you've seen a big change in your role from last year to this year. Yeah. Last year I probably was a little bit more quiet because, you know, we had a lot of the big seniors there. But then this year I've definitely had to, like, step up and be more of, like, the leader and, like, kind of show, like, this is what we do, this is what we don't do. Like, if they need help on a play, like, come ask me. Don't, like, just sit there and look, like, weird or whatever. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, I mean, I've definitely – I think I became more of, like, the leader and I hope they look up to me more than last year I was a little quiet. You comfortable (laughs) with that role? Yeah, I like it. I've always really been that, so – I feel like I'm dominating the conversation well, again. Well, I, I was going to jump in on <laughs> this in. because I had an interview, unfortunately, that did not work on my broadcast on just because I had problems with the recorder. I don't know what happened. You're to allowed it. to have you know, those yeah, opening those game little problems. Things. Anyway, too, you know. but I had a, a really good conversation. And I, hopefully, I'll follow it up uh, the next time we go on the air with a recording, actually, an actual interview. 
But I talked to Ellie Leedstrom about how, and she's a lone senior on this team. I talked to her about how her role has changed, and she made a really interesting point, Maddie, and I don't know if you uh, uh, agree with her or not, but she said, you know, one of the things that's different is she's like, I feel like I'm doing a lot of teaching, which, you know, it kind of goes into like a player-coach kind of thing. She said, I'm kind of doing a lot of the same things that, you know, Zach and, and Hal and now Eva being an assistant coach, kind of instructing. I'm doing a lot of pointing out, okay, when you come off the screen, you got to come off of it this way. Or when, when you know one player goes this direction, you have to come off the screen on that side or whatever. She said it's a lot of teaching. And she said sometimes it can get a little bit frustrating. She said because I'm not really used to instructing. I'm usually just you know running the plays. You know, if, So if Zach calls out a play, I just run it. But now with all our new players, I'm kind of instructing them, and I'm learning a lot about how to kind of, you know, kind of teach them how to come off these screens. And Maddie, I don't know if you agree with that, but she kind of was like, you know, sometimes it can be tough because she said it's frustrating if you've been in a, in the system. She said I've been in the system for four years. I know it upside down and backwards. And she's like, and sometimes I have to stop myself from being a little too critical with the freshmen, understanding that they have not run this system before, so they are basically starting from scratch. She's like, and so that's what my role is, is to, is to run, help them run this as smoothly as we can and learn these plays. And Maddie, you've only played it for a year, but does it feel kind of similar? I mean, do you feel like it, it is a lot of instruction? Are you doing a lot of pointing and, and, and telling players where they're supposed to be at a, at a given point in the offense and all that kind of stuff? I mean, are you feeling like that's part of your job too, is kind of instructing everybody as yeah. to how things are supposed to be run? Yeah, I would definitely say that's kind of everyone kind of like all the returners. That's kind of like what we have to do and which is it's fine. Zach does it. Everyone does it. So I definitely see it. And like it's hard because like I came from like a high school that's kind of like more of a powerhouse. So you kind of just like expect people to like to just know that like this is what we do. And so like this year has changed a lot. You kind of just like you have to realize that they're young, like they don't know this yet. So we kind of have to like explain things a little bit slower maybe or a couple more times, but yeah. Well, it's interesting too, because one of the things that I've talked about with people away from the court about the players that you bring in, Zach, they're kind of a mix. Some come from big programs in the cities, some come from really small towns. So it's a completely different kind of look sometimes for, for the different athletes. And so that, I suppose that's where that instruction comes in and trying to help them along so that they can understand, okay, this is how we run it now. Yeah. I think yesterday was at practice was kind of the tipping point finally as a coach where patience is always there. And, and this is not meant as a negative, but it was finally like we stopped the drill and I said, girls, we've been doing the same drill for five minutes and we still haven't figured out the rotations of it. Like basketball IQ, just go out there and play. And I think sometimes we, we overthink and, and this isn't just freshmen. And I know, you know, it's a new system. We put in a couple new sets and series for returners as well. And finally I just said to the returners as well yesterday on my hoop, you don't know this drill. You don't know this drill. So quit acting like you do and quit pointing people and instructing them. Do what the coaches are telling you to do, buy in, and then move forward. And I, I just think that's, that's kind of just been a, you know, a storyline for us all year is just buy into it, you know, move forward as we go. And, and we have to do new things this year. I mean, it's a brand new squad. It, going back to your question earlier, John, is you can't keep running the same system over and over. And coaches who do are going to you're eventually you're going to fail unless you you're really good at recruiting and you can pick that six, two girl and that five, three girl. And every year you return it, you have to adapt to what you had. I mean, last year we had, we had good the last two years. We've had good presence down low where this year, all right, we have girls that can shoot out on the outside and we have strong guard play. So you have to adjust a little bit. Um, I think, the standards are always there and, and the structure of what we want, but you got to tweak it just a little bit. And, you know, I think from our program and, you know, you've been around at Garver and you've called our games for new, for, for new players to come in, you got to realize is, you know, I think about the four years I've been here, year one, loaded, talented, had it, you know, Amelia's group, Justine's, Jade's, Brittany, Haley, next year, graduate, you know, four of the five starters and Hannah Norland was the only one. And I remember having a conversation with Hannah at, um, down at St. Norbert's a couple years ago in the tip off classic to start season. And she was getting frustrated in a game that, you know, we won by two or something like that over Carthage. And she was upset. She was like, Oh, it's just so frustrating. Like we almost blew it coach in the end on our press break. And I said, Hannah, look, none of these girls have ever been a starter before. You're the only one out there you got to teach him the way of the game. And she's like, yeah, you're right. And, you know, move forward. And she stepped into that role last year. Then, you know, had a good, good returners, you know, Carpenter and, and Marissa and Eva. Um, and then now this year, again, back to one starter. So for me as a coach, I'm like, yeah, hey, we're on the every other year, you know, having to teach them. So it's nothing new for us coaches, you know, type of thing. But I think this year is a big teaching 
And, and part of that is I just think because they've been off for so long for basketball. I don't even know if it has anything to literally do with our system. It's just high school students were cut from the state tournament. You know, it had nothing to do in the summer. Usually in the summer, they play in the Wisconsin Dells tournaments or they'll play in a, a women's league, you know, during the summer and have five to ten games in. And I think just coming here now and being raw is just, you know, tough for them. And, and to, to mentally just be locked in on top of, you know, Zoom and everything like that. So I'm happy with it in the way that we're doing it. And, yeah, Coach Hal always jokes that, you know, this is the year that coaches, they earn their they earn their salary this year by doing the coaching. But I think with the players' knowledge and then having Katie Stark join from UMD, Eva's joining us again, Hal's back, you know, and myself. And, um, you know, we just – I feel like we have really good coaches that know the game and, and hopefully are teaching them along the way. But the minute you get a player to step up and be a coach on the court, I mean, that's that's what it's about. That's when you know that you have winners in the program. It's interesting for me, too, looking at this roster, the construction of it. You know, it's a young group, but this is probably the longest and tallest group that I've seen you have since you've been here across the board. Huh. I mean, this is a very tall group of girls <laughs> across the board. You know, like last year, you guys were actually, if you really had to be honest about it, you were pretty undersized last year. I mean, Eva was your tallest player, and she's tips maybe six foot. Everybody else was, you know, below that. This group has got multiple girls that are six foot or taller. So this is a, you know, this is a different looking team in terms of length. And, and height. I mean, even the team with, with you know that Hannah, the team that went twenty four and three a couple of years ago, was not a tall team. No, you know they were pretty. They were pretty short. Which you would which you would consider quote unquote short in the post. But this is a very tall team, and especially you got tall wings on this team. And that's the first time I've seen that in a while, where the wings even are you know in the five ten five eleven range. And you know I think that gives you some versatility that you haven't had. And even you know the size coming off the bench is even good. So. Um, you know, it, it's it's nice to see some height out there. I mean, I'll just say that right up right up front. I mean, last year you guys had two of the shortest guards I've ever seen in a, in a at the college level. I mean, between <laughs> Emily and Marissa, you're talking five one, five two, five three, and now you guys have gotten much much taller, and all of a sudden in less than a year, you know, I mean, Kaylin is five seven, five eight maybe, and now she's the starting point guard. You know, so you're gaining some some size, and I assume that that makes it even just a little bit easier as far as even just practical things like that in terms of, of, of them being able to go in the post and play a little bit better and be able to get some rebounding and stuff like that. I mean, that will come down the line and t- as they learn, but this is a tall athletic group that you have. Well, we just tell Garver to put 5'7", five, 5'8", five, 5'11". Five, on You're no different than any other coach, though. Yeah. <laughs> Take those shoes. Every <laughs> hockey coach wants 10 pounds added. Yeah. But, I mean, they are tall. No, this they, is a, this they is are. a tall group. It, and it helps, and, and everybody knows you need a strong, you know, guard play to to win games, and so it's been helpful for that. But I would not take, you know, I, or I would take a Carpenter and a Marissa over and over every year. Yeah, they're oh, yeah, five yeah. two, but they play like they're six feet tall. I mean, you didn't want to you mess with them, but and obviously it helps. I think for feeding the post and entering things like that. I mean, Maddie, how tall are you, Maddie? Five six on a good day, right? So five eight on the roster. Yep. So Maddie's our five eight. Right? I think and she's listed at what five seven. <laughs> yeah. like that. I think it's five seven. Yeah. But she's a lefty and she's something different, you know. And, right. and that's the part is you need that just that little bit different. So you said, yeah, Kaylin being Kaylin is five, a seven. legit five seven five eight. I mean, yep. that's about where she is. No, it, it it helps and defensively too. You know, on that end, you're not worried about the mismatches, and we're a team that likes to switch up our defenses. So when you don't get a five two girl on a six two post, you feel a little better down in the you know the defense. Yeah, end. I mean, last year was very like striking the difference between the post play because Lee was like I said about 5'11 and then you had Marissa and Marissa's about 5'1 5'2 and Emily's maybe 5'3 yep. like, and that was about where it was this year if you look it goes you know 5'6 5'7 Maddie you got 5'8 Kalantic point and then you go 6 foot just about 6 foot and 6'2 yep. so it's a very different looking fivesome that take the court now at least for the first two games I've started so it is a different look and, and I would imagine that will help you defensively at least in the post maybe a little bit just because you'll be longer down there Sure hope so. <laughs> <laughs> Let's look at the conference quick, Coach. Um, very different year, obviously, with only seeing everybody once. You guys chosen third, which is uncharted territory since we've come into the UMAC. Give us just a, a brief assessment on, on conference play. Yeah, to be honest, make a a short story longer, you know, this year sitting on a regional um, committee, you kind of get to know the teams more and, and to know how strong our conference is getting is just awesome from a head coach. Yes. It's nice being at that top and being like, Oh, we got, we're going to walk through this, you know, and go 16 and oh, and, and things like that. Those days are over. And, and I say that in a good way, the conference is getting so much better where, you know, before three, four years ago, 
the the UMAC would play WIAC, MIAC schools in non-conference, and they'd maybe go one and twenty. Now, I mean, you're looking at ten and ten, fifteen and five, where they they're turning into just stronger from top to bottom, and that's just not you know, like I said, two teams doing it. Bethany Lutheran is doing it. North Central's doing it. Northwestern, um, Morris is always a, a tough squad, and us, and even across the bridge, you know, Sklaska, their last year here, and and I like to see even the bottom, and, and this isn't, and I don't want to say the bottom, but as a as a whole, we're getting stronger, so it makes it fun as a coach. It makes it challenging. You have to be on your game, and you have to have the players ready to go. But um, Bethany Lutheran, they're they're tough. I mean, we've seen them the last two, three years now, three years in a row playing in the conference, you know, championship game, and that's what you want. That's the goal is to get there every year and and to be able to to play the best. Um, you know, Northwestern and North Central and Minnesota Morris, they look good this year, and with only seeing each other one time, it makes it where you have to be prepared that game because you don't get to make adjustments the second time. Um, so it's going to be tough. But at the end of the day, we're all making the conference tournament one through nine and, and seeding it that way. So all you got to do is, you know, I tell our, well, I tell our coaches, players on all this. Yeah, obviously we want to be number one. We want to win it, but let's be a home court. Let's get top four, play at home the first round and then take our chances going from there. Um, you know, I think the people in the sports world sometimes are like, well, so-and-so, what happened to them? And I'm like, well, yep, they recruit too. And they return players. And guess what? They practice. It's crazy. You know, sometimes we forget <laughs> that. We think that we're doing something wrong. And I'm like, or other teams are also doing great things out there. So um, it's it's going to be tough. And, you know, we go into Northwestern tomorrow and then Bethany Lutheran, and then we have Bay, and then we have North Central. I mean, the, the heart of our schedule is the next three games. And we just got to, we got to be prepared. And the nice part about we're young, they don't know any better sometimes they don't know who Bethany is or, or who Morris is and they just got to come out and play and for those returning yeah I'm, I'm sure it still stings a little bit you know last year being at their place in a, in a tough game and I you know for me personally we want to get revenge on them and, and make it a very competitive game do the players understand as you look at the different season where you only get one shot at everybody and you're basically four weeks to go through the conference once that you know every game has a pretty significant importance to it yeah, I think most of us get it, mostly the upperclassmen. Like, we understand, like, we get 10 games, like, maybe. It depends, like, it could change any day with the COVID result. So I think I, like, I get it. Like, I'm like, we have 10 games. Like, we got to make the most of it, especially this week. And, like, next week are, like, two big weeks for us. And so, yeah, I mean, I hope everyone gets it. I'm not really sure about a couple, but, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We won't name names. That's okay. <laughs> One more, and we'll we'll let you go here, Coach, because I know you got to get running. But uh, Pat Flynn, I do want to touch on that. Yeah. Um, you know, he passed away in, in December, and I, I think some people from the outside kind of look at it and go, "Oh, the I fan guy." So much more than the I fan guy, wasn't he? He, yeah, he was. Um, I know we, you know, we talked about it. Right away when he passed and you did such a good writing on him and, you know, his family and all of them said, oh, that was, you know, beautifully written. And it truly was. Pat was, and, and I say this in the most loving way, and Lori and I joke about it. He was, he was stubborn just like, you know, just like he was 30 years ago. Um, he always wanted us to run his own, but Pat was he was that coach, you know, who he volunteered and he didn't want any, you know, any money every year. I'd be like, Hey Pat, like you, you show up to every practice. Let me make it work. And he's like, well, coach, no, because if you pay me, then if I miss a practice, I feel bad. Well, in me being here for five years, I think he missed one practice. <laughs> like he never missed it. He, he was always there. Um, you know, except for when he'd go to Alabama down there, but you know, he was, he was a, I don't even want to say a coach. He was a good mentor. He was, you know, everybody knows good cop, bad cop. And he got to always be the, the good cop, you know, type of thing. And, and he was just, he had a passion about him and, and he brought that to the drills and things like that. I mean, there's time we'd be doing rebounding drills. I'm like, Pat, I need you to miss. Like we're working on the rebounding drill and, Oh, I can't miss today. Coach five in a row type of thing. I mean, those of you who know, Pat knows that they would have won that 74 championship game if he would have been the one taking that last shot that they had. Um, but you no, know, he was just, he was a good friend. Um, he was, he was good for the, the players. I think they got to see, you know, a superior native who just knows the game of basketball and you know and um and i know you probably know this because you've talked to him but i always ask him like how did you get involved with this and he goes honestly i was just that stray cat i showed up one day and and then they asked me to come back the next day and <laughs> then i stuck around and just it's been you know a couple of years and, and that was pat always had a sense of humor um we miss him on the court i mean we talk about him still in drills like hey this is how you know we run a couple plays for him you know let's start the year where we ran some plays that he sent me you know via text you know a week 
week or two before he passed. You know, he had sent some some plays that he wanted us to put in, and some of them I didn't understand his writing, but the other ones we got in, and it's been fun to honor him um, that way. I mean, he's it's he put a big influence, I think, for me personally, and and it's you know it's about the whole community. But he he really just showed me what it's like to be a family man, what it's like to be a coach, and and at the end of the day. I think through all of this, you said, don't take for granted, man, if that, that shows you it right there, like, yeah, we might get next Christmas. We might not. So don't, don't, don't wait to tell the people, you know, around you, Hey, I love you players. Hey, good job today. We'll see you tomorrow. You know, it's just a game type of thing. You got to have that mentality. And, and that's what he really brought to our, our program. He was a interesting guy. I just want to interject one story about Pat because this is, I worked with him a long time. I mean, I worked with him. I did games with him on iFan and stuff like that. And I knew him. I don't know if I, I didn't know him as long as you, John, I don't think. Maybe as long as Zach. I don't know. Anyway, I've knew him for almost a decade, and we worked together on different stuff. My first ever game I did with Pat, I was on the iFan Sports Network, and we were doing a tournament game. And I'll just make this quick. And uh, <laughs> he was doing play-by-play um, for whatever tournament game this was. This was like in, I don't know, maybe 12 or 13. I was in between games. I wasn't doing a game on the radio, so I had time to go on iFan, and I was doing it with him. And... He, he, he had some choice like phrases that he used to say on the air. For people who are listening to this podcast, you know what those are. If you've ever listened to iFan, he had some, some choice phrases. This is what I, I had to stop myself because I thought that is <laughs> – he basically said off the tip off, and we were maybe 30 seconds into the game, and a pass came forward, and it was off the mark. You know, It went out of bounds for a turnover. And Pat dropped in right away with the, well, in the first pass of the game, it was a delicatessen pass that went awry. And I turned and looked at him, and I thought, oh, my gosh, this is going to be a long broadcast. <laughs> <laughs> this is, now I know what Don Lane's talking about. Watch out for the phrases and, and the one-liners because he, he turned and looked at me, and I looked at him, and I thought, boy, how many of these drop-ins are we going to get during the game? But, you know, I mean, Pat was definitely a unique individual. And, you know, I, I, I think I said this, too, at the time when, when, he, when he unfortunately passed. But. He was a unique individual, and, and he kind of embodied, for me at a certain level, UW-Superior basketball in a way, just because he was such a loyal devotee to both teams, both the men and the women, and especially the women. I mean, you know, like you said, there were times he had to reel himself in, I know, during broadcast because he'd get upset about a play that wasn't run right. Throw the headphones on yeah, the table. Yeah, exactly. Or he'd smack the table with his hands or something, and you'd think, oh, my gosh. That is one of my most vivid memories is him throwing the headset down and walking away from the table because he was so upset. And then running his hands through his hair yeah. and being like, oh, God. Yeah. And then he'd come back. And I always loved it because he'd – He'd say the plays because obviously he, you know, during the week he'd be with us at practice and then do the games. And he'd be like, well, they didn't run that right. The, the guard's <laughs> supposed to go down. And I'm like, hey, you know, Pat, why don't you just tell him next time? Why don't you show the playbook <laughs> to the other team, you know, do it? And, and he'd always say, well, I don't know those plays. I only know Butler. He still always says, I only know Butler. And I, it was, it was a couple of days before, you know, we were talking right before he passed. And he goes, I still don't know those plays. And I go, you sound like one of our players. I give you a playbook every year and you claim you don't know those plays. And you could always joke with them. I mean, that's, that's him, you know, in his in his final days. You, we were ripping on him about being a Packers fan, and and I do. I'm gonna I'm gonna set it up here because I think it's great, and you know, and I know Lori will listen to this as well. But I one day just texted him, and I knew he was, you know, he was down at the hospital, and I was trying to cheer him up, and I'm like, who's the who's the greatest, you know, quarterback for the Packers? Because he's a huge Packers fan. I'm like Rodgers or Favre, and he went on on a tangent. Well, Rodgers does this, and Favre, well, he was undisciplined, and he went back forth, back forth, and he's like. I don't know, Rodgers probably has more talent, but Favre was more fun to watch. And I go, you know what? I think Favre was it, especially when he wore that purple uniform. And he went <laughs> off, and you're just like Don Mulhern and going with the Vikings. And, and that's the memory that I have is that you could you could give each other, you know, a tough time and, and things like that. And, um, you know, sitting there with Hal and, you know, when, when carrying out being a pallbearer was such an honor because – those of you who know, like know the Flins, to know him, he made such an impact on people's lives. And again, it took me to get to this point where he passed to really realize how much he's done impact on all of us. And I just think thank you to you, Garver, and, and to Bursick. He's, you know, we got T-shirts made and we have a quote, you know, um, one of Pat's favorite quotes that we're hanging up in our locker room. And it's just one of those where I hope we keep his legacy. And I'm glad you brought that up because I think sometimes when people pass, we, we don't talk about it. And it's like, well, that's a bad thing. It's like, no, this, he had lived a dang good life and he should be very proud of what he did and his kids and his wife and grandchildren. So thank you for, for bringing up his legacy. And the quote is? Uh, Make it a good day or not, the choice is yours. And I think it's fitting right now, right? You can choose to piss and moan or you can move forward with a smile on your face and say, hey, I'm going to take it today and I'm going to make the most of it. 
great way for us to end. Yeah, I agree. Coach Zach Otto Fisher, Maddie Sanders, Yellow Jacket Women's Basketball. Thanks for stopping by. Thank you, guys. We'll take a timeout. We'll come back with more of I Have the Swarm right after this. Orkers Island Inn is now hiring, and there's a position just for you. Apply for front desk, housekeeper, bartender, server, cook, and dishwasher. We're hiring great people like you. Call or click for more information and apply today. We're back for the final segment of this week's Eye of the Swarm, and Always nice to have Coach Otto Fisher stop by and give us a little insight into his program, but a little more fun this time around having a player with us too. Yeah, Maddie Sanders, sophomore. Uh, went to Centennial High School in the city. It's a really, really good program. Um, yeah, it was fun. I mean, we usually don't have roundtables here. It's usually the two of us just kind of... Well, uh, I'd, I'd kind of like to get into that more though. Yeah, I think so too. I, I think that that's when you get your best conversations, to be honest with you. Agreed. You know, I mean, it's a little bit... Not that the, you know, the three-way with you and me asking some an individual questions is a problem or difficult just adds another dimension to the podcast and mm-hmm. to the interview and i like that right you know so and i i always like being able to get the athletes insight because i i think i think after a while people get bored with coach speak yeah you know because even as informal as we can be here and you know coaches will let their guard down a little bit there's still plenty of coach speak in there oh yeah yeah and they're so to be able to get the athlete perspective sometimes i think is great oh i think so too i you know i i wish we could do more of it mm-hmm you know, because we've had coaches or athletes. We haven't had coaches and athletes. And I think coaches and athletes would be great. Right. It would also be kind of cool to, to do an extended dive, I think, and have a couple coaches, you know, both hockey coaches, both basketball coaches. Something like that would be kind of fun, too, at some point. So right. Who knows? Maybe that'll come We'll get along. there. Yeah. We'll get there. This is ever-evolving, so yep. we will absolutely get there. We're only in our second year, so we'll figure it out. Speaking of evolving, our schedule is evolving, <laughs> and uh, well, hopefully it continues to evolve. We're always at the mercy of covid so things are fluid and um, can change at a moment's notice but at any rate we do have some uh, some contests coming up this week we've got some broadcasts coming up this yeah, week. yeah we're scheduled right now knock on wood to have three broadcasts this week two of them hockey one of them basketball now again this is a asterisk kind of situation and a tba kind of situation and you know it, it's frustrating i know it's frustrating for you and it's frustrating for me but that's the world we're living in you know, but uh, men's hockey uh, is scheduled to play twice this week, quote unquote scheduled to play twice. Their first game tonight, as we record this on a Wednesday, they're supposed to play their actual season opener. Season opener. Yep, against Northland at the Bay Area Civic Center in Ashland, 7 p.m., the opening faceoff. John, you'll be on the pregame, what, 640? 640. Yeah, 640, and hopefully this broadcast <laughs> goes through for you. Hopefully it's uninterrupted. <laughs> yeah. For those of you who don't know, John and I had a broadcasting uh uh, Technology was not friendly last Wednesday. Well, we, we had a broadcasting experience that is very, very unique, I would say, between the two of us, mm-hmm. which was funny. And if you want to have a full story with us, you can meet us up after with us after COVID, and we'll explain it to we'll you. We'll explain it, yeah. yeah. But, <laughs> but it was you're reliant on technology, and uh, it didn't work out quite as we had hoped last week. No. Well, let's just put it this way. Within about a two-and-a-half-hour stretch, you were able to hear us both live at the same time <laughs> at various degree points. So... And we'll explain how that happened at some point down the road. But anyway, they're supposed to play, again, their season opener tonight, and then they'll be back at home for their home opener this coming Friday the 5th of February against Northland. They're going to start seeing the Lumberjacks in their sleep. Probably. 7 p.m. opening face-off, 6.40 the pregame, and uh, thankfully I think that means that we're done with Northland after Friday, right? Um, at least until playoffs? Pending postseason. Yeah. Yeah, this would be the, that'll be the last we'll see of, of the Lumberjacks this year. Well, that's four straight now, so that's yep. a lot of uh, time seeing guys in the – orange and blue but yep anyway yeah they're going to start seeing somebody else uh next week and we'll talk more about that in the next podcast but yep. anyway this is it for the regular season with northland again that last game on friday after tonight's game against northland so it's another home and home but these these games count now so correct there you go women's hockey is next to be uh they had a game that was scheduled like we said last time out they were supposed to play northland on that second exhibition game that game got canceled due to covid protocols they take the week off they're on the bye week. Yeah, they're on the bye week, which is kind of interesting. They played two t- exhibitions, didn't get a bye week. But then they're next at it on Wednesday, February 10th against, guess who, Northland. <laughs> at uh, Westman Arena, 7 p.m., the opening face-off there, so a week from tonight. Correct. Yeah, and they'll be taking on the Lumber Jills. Men's basketball, they seem kind of snake bit at the moment, trying to get them in 
on the court at some point. They've had three games already uh, postponed on the season, as uh, you heard in the first segment of the podcast. Uh, but they're next in action. They're supposed to be playing at Bethy Lutheran on Saturday the 6th. That'll be a 3 p.m. opening tip down in Mankato. And then that uh, makeup game against uh, Martin Luther that was rescheduled. That was one of the three games that was originally postponed. They're supposed to play on Monday, the 8th, at Martin Luther against the Knights, 7 p.m., the opening tip there, and crossing our fingers on that, I guess. Yep. I mean, that's that's about all I can muster with those two. To cross your fingers on all of it. Yeah. Uh, they're supposed to play their home game, their first home game, I think, a week from tomorrow. Is that right? Are they supposed yes. to? Yeah, okay. no. Yes. No. Yes. No, a week from today. A week from today? Is it a week from today? Is yeah, they play. They have Finlandia. Oh, that's right, Finlandia. Yeah. It's not a conference game. That's why. Because they're in a bye week. Right. Next week. So we're talking in circles right now. If it sounds like we are, it's because the scheduling is goofy. Yes. But anyway, that's what's supposed to come up. And like I said, fingers crossed they'll be able to get those games in against Bethy Luther and Martin Luther between now and our next podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, meanwhile, women's basketball, they've gotten both their games in. Again, keeping our fingers crossed that they continue to do that. Uh, they're next in action. Let's see here. Tomorrow. Tomorrow. Yeah. Northwestern, 7 Fourth. And then they have a busy week coming up. Because they've got three games between now and when we're next on the podcast at Northwestern, 7 p.m. tomorrow. That's Thursday. Next at home, Saturday the 6th against Bethany Lutheran. That's become quite the rivalry between mm-hmm. the two schools. 3 p.m., the opening tip there. I'll be on with the pregame, 245 again, fingers crossed. And then uh, they're scheduled to play Tuesday, February 9th against Finlandia. That'll be a home game. That's non-conference. 7 p.m., the opening tip there. I'll be on with the pregame again, fingers crossed, 645. So that's what's happening with all those teams. And then men's track, finally getting in action. They will open their season this Saturday, February 6th, at the St. Glasgow Burns Wellness Commons for the first of two meets that will be hosted this spring, or this winter, I guess. By St. Glasgow, actually gets underway at 12 p.m. The second meet will take place on February 20th. That's a Saturday. Both teams, I think, are running that day, men and women, I think. Nope. That's, no? Nope. They're not? Nope. Okay. Well, <laughs> I thought they were, nope. but I guess not. No, the women will be next weekend. Next weekend. At our place, and then the men the following weekend. Okay. So it's every other weekend. It's every other weekend? Okay. But anyway, they'll be in action on the 6th of Saturday, again, 12 p.m. there. And just two meets for each team. Um, UWS is hosting on the women's side the two indoors for UMAC, and then St. Glasgow is hosting the two indoors for the men. Yep. So, like you said, I know it's been it, – it, that whole juggling thing has been – it's been tough. It, it is. I yeah, mean, I, we – People are being asked, like I said on the air the last week, people are being asked to do things that they've never done and that we've never thought of before. There's no manual for any of this. So it's a lot of a lot of do it as you go. Okay. You know, yeah, exactly. And, I mean, that's all there is. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's... And that's really the best you can do right now. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it, it truly is day by day, hour by hour. Well, and all those games that are scheduled that we just rattled off, all of them could change. Yeah, it's all pending. Yeah, it's so, all pending. You know, don't take our word for it. If you're looking for more information, uwsyellowjackets.com. That's the place to get the definitive word. Correct. Um, because what we said now might completely change by next week. It could be changed by the time this actually airs. Yeah. Let's be honest. Yeah. <laughs> All of that could change. So um, uwsyellowjackets.com is your scheduling friend for the year. And until further notice, it will be. We'll try to keep you updated as much as we can. But, again, we're kind of flying with our eyes blind here at a certain point. So. No kidding. No kidding. So I'll do it for this episode of Eye of the Swarm. We appreciate everybody, all of our loyal listeners, uh, more people than we think tune into this podcast every single time we put one out. So thank you very much to everybody who joins us and also for everybody who listens to all of our different sports broadcasts over the course of the season. He is the Big Sound Matt Johnson. I'm John Garver, Elliot Sweary, our production engineer, our sports department duct tape, if you will. And on behalf of Matt and Elliot, we appreciate it and thank you for listening to Eye of the Swarm. We'll